0: capacity shift and how it can help us transform our finances. That is what is coming in three, two, one, let's do it. Hola, hola. How is it going? Bienvenida. I'm so thrilled to have you here. This is Jen Hemphill, your host, and I am thrilled, excited, over the moon, and all the things about today's interview. Our special guest is a true, fierce, An unstoppable Latina. The topic of capacity is something we have never covered before. And honestly, it's something that I never considered how it tied with our money. So what she shares in this interview will blow your mind. Let me share with you a little bit about Lisa Fabrica. She is a leadership coach who helps ambitious people expand their capacity to handle more growth, wealth, and success. For more than 10 years, she has helped entrepreneurs, corporate executives, Academy Award nominees, and Nobel Prize organization candidates break through boundaries that have been holding them back from their next level. That is the caliber of guest we have today. In today's episode, we will be talking about expanding your money capacity and how in doing so you will learn how to handle and embrace each level that comes up in your life, all while impacting your growth in ways that you didn't think possible. There's so much to this juicy episode. I recommend you listen when you have minimal distractions. If you have a lot of distractions or it's noisy, I'm not saying don't listen to it. Absolutely listen to it. But I want you to re-listen to it when you have minimal distractions. Ready? Vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Lisa. I am so thrilled and I can't tell you how pumped I am as I've been researching you. Yes, I've been Googling you on the internet. So I'm really, really <laughs> pumped to talk to you today, to learn from you. So welcome. Gracias.
1: Yes. I'm really happy to be here with everybody today, especially this topic. <laughs>
0: yes, y somos vecinas. It is de Panamá, yo de Colombia. <laughs> I love it, the different connections. Well, I always start off with on this podcast, our money story. So we're going to go back in time. If you could just take us back in time with your upbringing and the experiences, any lessons, anything that really has stood out to you, anything that really impacted you even still to this day that has had to do with money. So share with us.
1: Absolutely. Gosh, I had a lot of impacts because I grew up in Panama when it was a dictatorship. And so there was a lot of, and you know, in Panama, as I'm sure in many Latin American countries there is a very wide disparity between the poor and the rich. When I used to go to the U.S. to visit my grandparents who were American, but coming from Spain, and I used to tell my friends in the U.S., you think you know what poverty is, but poor people here are rich compared to poor people in my country. (laughs) And so I saw a lot of disparity. And then when the dictatorship happened, it really has impacted me for the rest of my life because I got to experience what it's like to not have certain freedoms, because when you're in a dictatorship, you don't have freedom of speech. There's a lot of money corruption in a dictatorship, and there was a lot of bad things that were done to my country structurally because of the corruption with money. And it's still going on, you know, in Panama, there's a lot of financial corruption that goes on in the government. But it was very impactful for me because I really got a chance to see what bad leadership is. And what a good leader actually does is the opposite of what I saw. And so it really shaped me on so many levels to appreciate the freedoms that I have living in the U.S. I moved to the United States when I was 15, so I actually grew up less than half of my life now in Panama. So, yeah, it was incredibly impactful for me. And it's really informed my work for wanting people to have capacity, because I think that when leaders have greater capacity... They are more compassionate. They're more empathetic. They are able to handle difficulties without it getting twisted into something negative in their leadership, and they can handle stress and pressure. So yes.
0: Well, I'm excited to get into capacity, but not yet, because that word capacity, that's something that really has stood out in your work, and I I can't wait to talk about it. Now, -hmm. there was a story that you shared with me where you were in $100,000 in debt, and you mentioned that there is a conversation that really turned things around for you. So talk to us. Give yes. us all the goods or spill the tea, as people say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm grateful that this happened to me. And I was not grateful at the time, but I am now looking back. This happened to me in 2015. I mistook a dissatisfaction and a burnout that I was feeling in my business as a sign that I needed to change my business model. And what ended up happening is I sunk $100,000 into this new business model on this funnel, and it tanked. And I ended up $100,000 in debt. And I remember feeling I couldn't sleep. I think I did not sleep for a year. <laughs> and I was so stressed out about it. And I have to say, I have to preface this with saying that I am not a debt-averse person. Debt does not stress me out. So for me to be stressed, it was... A lot of debt. It was a hundred thousand dollars, and I remember my father is the only business person in my family. Everybody else is a doctor, and my mother was a teacher. And I remember coming to my father and saying, and I'd never talked to him about my business before. And I said, I'm stressed out. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm terrified. I don't want to have to file bankruptcy. Like, what do I do? And he kind of laughed, and he said, "Oh, Lisa." Please, this is part of doing business. All businesses carry debt sometimes. I've had $500,000 in debt in my business. And when he said that, it completely changed the way I think about money. And it made me realize something that I teach my clients today when we work on their money capacity, which is if you are here to do something different than what you've seen around you, if you are here to make a big impact, which not a lot of people feel that calling, then The way you handle money is also going to be very different than a lot of mainstream money advice. And I'm not saying be irresponsible, (laughs) you know, but you have to think differently about your money, especially as a business owner or somebody who's doing things differently and you play with your money differently. And that took all my stress away when he said that to me. And you know what? Within a year, I had paid it all off. So I was okay. Right. And I'm glad you share that
0: with us because I know, especially in the field that I am, it's all the talk, get out of debt, you know, stay out of debt, save more, all that. But people then feel guilty when they're back in debt. But debt was created. The ability to borrow was created for a reason. And I've shared, you know, very transparent with my listeners where we were out of debt and then we got into debt for buying a car, then we paid it off. And, you know, so I think we're living in a culture right now where it's bad to be in debt, right? It's bad to be in debt, because a lot of people have used a credit card irresponsibly and things like that. But I think it's about the intention, but with the intention of what you're doing with that debt and having that plan, not just I need to buy this. I'm just going to get in debt and then not have a plan. So I like that you say that because yes, we do live in this culture where you feel guilt and and shame because you maybe you got out of debt, you're back in debt and you're like, I'm a failure. No, you're not. There is a reason maybe you had to take This loan or whatever that is. So I'm glad that it's a shift in perspective and a shift in your mind as well.
1: Yes. I want to add a little thing that you just made me think of by saying that, which is I feel like sometimes that debt has gotten me to think more creatively than if I was comfortable and not in debt. And sometimes being in debt has led me to create things that ended up being very lucrative because I needed to pay that debt off. And it made me think outside of the box. So I don't necessarily think like you're saying that debt is always a bad thing if we're being smart about it. And we have a plan, like you said.
0: Right. And I'm curious now, so I know we're going to kind of sidetrack a little, but what led you to the coaching you're doing? Because your upbringing had an impact on you with living in Panama. And then you went through the journey of being $100,000 of debt, not sleeping for a year, having that conversation with your father, shifting your mind and things, you know, turned around for you. So were you doing coaching at that time? Or what led you to coach people? Yeah,
1: I was doing coaching at that time. I started my coaching business unofficially 2008, officially 2010. And I had been coaching for a while. And I had just gotten to a point where the way I got into coaching is that I was actually when I was 10 years old, Oprah has always been my biggest role model. And I looked up to Oprah so much because to me, she brought in perspectives and worldviews that were different than I saw where I was growing up and were different values from my family. And a lot of times I felt like a choque against the values of my family and what I felt internally was right and wrong too. And I remember Oprah was like my shining star, you know, she was like the person I was like, Oh, see, look, there's people who think like me. And I've kind of forgot about it as I got older and I got into theater and I became an actor and I actually got a master of fine arts in acting. So I'm very well trained. Interesting. I'm trained by one of the best acting schools in the country. And I started acting and I, was an actor in New York City for many years. But you know, actors don't work consistently. So we have to have other jobs to make money. And in that job, I started excelling, it was in a financial firm. So I kept getting promoted. But as I kept getting promoted, there was less freedom for me to go on my audition. So I needed a solution. And I ran into a friend on the street who was on Broadway, and she had started a coaching business. And she said, you know, you can do this. And I had never thought about it. And then I connected with that when I was 10 and I would look up to Oprah. I remember writing in my journal, I'm going to do something like that when I'm older. And then it just all connected and I went, oh, maybe this is the thing. And then I started my business. And to be honest, even when I started my business, I always charged more than people told me I could charge because I felt like I'm working very hard for this and I should be paid paid. And I remember I was charging like double what my classmates from coaching school started charging. And they were like, no one's going to pay you that. And every time somebody has said that to me, everybody has always paid me that. (laughs) So that's how I ended up as a coach. And then in what I teach now, that's just a matter. I've been doing this for, gosh, I think around 12 years now, and you start observing patterns and Your message begins to evolve and you start to develop your own method because you've worked with enough people that you can start to see like, okay, this is the kind of person I work with. This is the kind of problems they commonly tend to deal with. How do I normally solve these problems? And that's how I am where I am today. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, this is a podcast for
0: Latinas and I really loved hearing you that you charge more than anybody else. And typically, you know, there's that gender wage gap and we're yes. at the
1: lowest of all the subgroups of women so I'm loving hearing this and I have to say when I was coaching in Panama people told me I eso. Eso es and I said Tú vas a ver que sí. and I came into Panama charged what I charged almost everybody in Panama wanted to work with me and not with the cheaper coaches so I'm just saying that for anybody who's doubting themselves <laughs>
0: I love that. I yeah. love that. Now, let's dig into your work because you mentioned the word capacity and your the main focus of your work is what you called a capacity shift. So talk yes. to us about this. What is this? Why is it important?
1: I think it's one of the most important things, and I think it should be taught in schools to children. <laughs> That's how important I think it is. I think it should be taught to us from the beginning of our lives. And it's just the capacity to handle every level, every next level of our lives, especially for those of us that are very goal-oriented and achievers. We're always growing, right? And I'll give you a perfect metaphor. People who win the lottery, you've heard the stories, oh, I won hundred million million, five Five years later, I'm bankrupt. And you're like, how... Did you lose $100 million? Because the capacity set point they had around money was maybe $50,000 a year, right? Like that's how much they've made up until then. And then all of a sudden, you hand someone that's only used to making $50,000, $100 million. They don't have the capacity to hold, handle, and receive $100 million. So what do they do? They start spending down to the comfort point, which is $50,000. And that's how people end up bankrupt. And the same thing I started noticing with the business owners that I was working with, they would get to a plateau in their revenue, they would start to feel burned out, they would feel like I can't do this business anymore. And we end up misdiagnosing it. And we start thinking that it's that we need another strategy or we have to rewrite something or redo the business model or sell the business or quit my job if you work in corporate, right? All of that stuff. And a lot of times those solutions are the wrong solutions and you end up causing worse problems When all you have to do is look at okay, if I want to make a million dollars this year, I'm used to making a hundred thousand. Who do I need to become to be able to handle making a million dollars? What does my team of support need to look like, both in life, in your home, and at work? What sort? How do I speak up? How do I vocalize what I do as the person that makes a million dollars and not the person that's a hundred thousand? So the way I define capacity is your ability to hold, handle, and receive every next level of your life of your impact of your growth. That is beautiful. And I'm curious
0: too, because a lot of my work is based on your. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal. I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. That's money stories, right? So Mm -hmm. how you grew up and I'm sure there's a connection with your capacity and the impact of how your upbringing limits can limit to your capacity. So can you talk to us about this?
1: Oh, yes. This is huge. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I've broken down my work into six capacity areas that people tend to struggle with the most. And the first one is money capacity. Because exactly what you are saying, what we see about money and what is said about money is how we view money and how we handle money and how we feel about money. So a perfect example is I had a client in Panama and her father used to tell her, I'm going to mess up the saying, but it was something like or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know the exact saying cause I don't remember it, but it was something like that. And she kept hitting, like she couldn't make more than 20,000 a month in her business and she's like, I don't understand why I'm in all these magazines. Like, And we discovered it was because she had this old belief of her father saying this to her when she was a child. And so whenever she would get to 20,000, that was where she felt safe. And she would start doing all these little subconscious things to sabotage. So she would like not get back to somebody who wanted to work with her, or she would miscommunicate what she was doing so that people wouldn't. And it was totally subconscious and in her blind spot, and she didn't see it. And I remember when we worked in that session on just getting rid of that fear and clearing that fear and then starting to just notice it, just noticing it helps so much. She started to move her revenue set point and started to make more money after that. So gosh, I think it's what shapes everything you believe about money. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. the capacity, of course, you know, in my work, I talk about how our money stories definitely influence how we view, see and treat money. It influences our mindset. So how do you work with people to increase their money capacity? So if you could tell us, give us a little bit of a scoop of how that works, what kind of steps and changes do you need to make?
1: Well, there's a lot of ways because. The way money capacity issues are affecting you are different than they affect me. And even the way they manifest is different because we're all like fingerprints. We're all unique beings. And the way we process information and deal with that information is different. So I don't have a set process. You know, When I work with people within money capacity, I have seven audios that are called like the seven keys that unlock more money capacity. And different people resonate with different keys because of whatever beliefs they have. But I will say in general... I do think what you brought up is one of the most important things. And we tend to devalue noticing and observing because we think that's not enough. But I will tell you that even because before you see it, you don't see it, right? Right. And you're making all these unconscious decisions and you don't even know you're making them. So seeing it, what I tell my clients is seeing it is 80% of the work. Because when you can catch it, mm-hmm. and the better you get at catching it, the better you get at turning it around. Turning it around is the remaining 20%, which is very hard, right? Because habits are hard to break. But the first thing is, I would make a list. What did you learn about money growing up? Positive things and negative things, both. And then just resolve that you are going to like put on these sharp-seeing glasses for the next week. And see where you are seeing those things you wrote down show up in how you are handling money. Maybe you avoid checking your bank account because it makes you stressed out and nervous. That means you need to build your capacity to force yourself to just every day make a habit of looking at your bank account to destigmatize it. I posted a meme today about like, somebody posted like, I'm still afraid of going into the mini bar at the hotel because it's going to bankrupt my entire family. And I was laughing so hard. And I actually, when I go to hotels, I purposely take something and eat it out of the mini bar to decondition that in me and show myself, I'm fine. Sure, it was ridiculously expensive, but it was $10. You know, it's not gonna break me, you know. So just start to notice is the biggest thing. And I think once you start to notice, you start to get an idea of little things like I do with the mini bar you can do that feels safe for you to start to combat it and then right. seek help work with a coach, work with a therapist, whatever you need to do.
0: There's so much in my brain right now, just listening, because when I hear you speak, I'm like, yes, I want to talk about the mindset and our money stories I always say in your financial journey, that's basically about 70% of the journey is that like, because I talk about what's the money headquarters. And I talk about that's the 70%. The skills, like the budgeting, that's about 10%. But what we're focused on in teaching people in financial education is the 10% versus what I say, the 70%. So there's so much aligned. I am <laughs> loving, loving, loving this conversation. And what have you seen with people that you have worked with when they've increased their capacity shift? So illustrate it with, or paint the picture of what that has looked like with maybe just one client or two. Yeah. I have two great stories
1: quick ones. The biggest thing I hear from people when they do the capacity work is it's something unexpected. It's, I feel like I am a completely different person. The way I see myself has changed. And I was very shocked by that because I thought it was going to be a different response, but it is true. Like you have to change the way you see yourself in order to get to that next level you want to get to. Because if you're seeing yourself as who you are now, Who you are now is not who you are at your next level, at your next goal, your next revenue goal, whatever that goal is. And so it really, truly at the core is changing how you see yourself. And it's building more confidence in owning who Mm -hmm. that is. But I will tell you one great story. Well, the first great story is I had a client who she was a very gifted craniosacral therapist and healer. And, you know, there's that whole thing of like, oh, people in my industry don't charge more than this per hour. And I'm like, forget about what people in your industry are doing. What do you want to charge? Period. Because we forget that there are people out there who, if they think your price is too cheap, they think you're not good. So they're actually will go to you when you raise your price. Right. Mm -hmm. And we forget that. Mm -hmm. And so she was kept hitting the ceiling of 200,000, 200,000 for five years, couldn't get past it. Paid all this money to all these strategy masterminds and business strategists, nothing, still hitting the ceiling. We discovered a belief one day in a session doing capacity work that her mother was always the biggest earner in the family. And the one time her mom got promoted to 200,000 and the father was so threatened, he left the family. Mm. So she thought there was in her nervous system, it was when I go past 200,000, bad things happen. And again, she was just, She wouldn't raise her prices. She would just take on more clients. And then, you know, it was all these little things that she was doing to keep herself there. When we shifted that over the course of several sessions, I remember, I think by the end of that year, she was on track for 500, for 500. Okay. It's amazing. Another woman, she came to me, and this is where money capacity and visibility capacity intersect. She was making good money. She was making a half a million dollars a year in her business, but she had this whole like shaman intuitive side that she was never talking about. And she really wanted to bring it in her work, but she was afraid people were going to be like, and like unsubscribe and not want to work with her anymore. And I said, sometimes the stuff you're hiding is the most lucrative stuff. So why don't we experiment? So we started doing it little by little. So she felt safe doing it. And she had this event that she had to like pull teeth to get like 85 people in every year. And would you believe that year she did a newsletter like, I'm coming out, I'm an intuitive shaman and blah, blah, blah. And she made it part of her event. She sold 265 tickets like that with very little effort to that event. And she went from 500,000 to a million by the time we were done working together that year. So those are two incredible stories of expanding your money capacity and the direct impact it has on your earning. I love that. And one
0: thing, I love that you're saying that. And one thing that you said that also I want to just kind of highlight, because one thing that you said, you want to know who you want to become and where, again, I'm going to say in a culture and a way that we believe that we need to create our goal. And that's what we need to shoot for versus first looking at who we want to become, we first set the goal, right? Yes. <laughs> and not really ignore who we want to become. And I think that, I mean, in my own learning experience, because goodness, I have fallen how many times <laughs> through this business journey through everything. Yeah. I have learned that I'm like, because I have mostly focused on the goal. Right, exactly. And versus <laughs> focusing on who I wanted to become, and sometimes did I hit the goal? Yes. Other times I didn't, and I couldn't figure out why. Because yes, I was not looking at who I wanted to become.
1: You put it so well. I oh. put it so well. <laughs> That's exactly it, it. That's why I always say it's not your strategy; it's your capacity. You can have right. the strategy. You can have the goal. But if you don't become, if you don't know how to become the person, and you don't know how that person who's already achieved your goal behaves and acts and exists and believes, it's not going to happen. Right. Right. Well, I
0: love the work that you're doing. You mentioned some tips. You actually shared a tip about increasing your money capacity, and it's just listing out some things that you have learned or that you have observed. Are there any other tips that you want to close this off with? Because I could talk to you forever. Like just (laughs) hearing, I mean, I knew when I saw and I was reading, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Anything that you want, any little tips on increasing money capacity?
1: Yeah, so that's definitely one of them, the one I mentioned already. And I would say my homework is always confrontational. (laughs) So because I believe that you have to confront things in yourself to really see movement and shifts. So I would say here's my confrontational homework for you. (laughs) It's look and see where you say certain things about money and you don't actually do them. So a good example Hmm. is I have clients sometimes that come to me and they're like, oh, I want someone to pay me $25,000 to work with me. And I'm like, okay, have you paid $25,000 to someone to work with them? And they're like, no, I would never pay that. And I'm like, there's something out of alignment here. You cannot ask somebody to pay you $25,000 if you don't understand what the experience of paying $25,000 for something is, because you have to understand what the value in those $25,000 is. And so just start noticing, if you wanna be brave and courageous and start noticing the contradictions, what do I say about money versus what do I do about money? Because it's also gonna start to show you places where you're out of alignment. So if you're wanting people to pay you a certain amount, but you don't wanna spend that, well then it's time to spend that so that you can actually be aligned with the client who wants to give you that amount of money. Or my client who wanted people to pay her a lot of money, but she was obsessed with couponing and wouldn't buy anything without a coupon. And I'm like, what is that saying? I love, listen, I love coupons. I love a good discount, you know, but at the same time, if you won't buy anything without a coupon, what is that saying about how you feel about money? It's kind of scarcity. There's some scarcity in there. And then you want someone to just like willingly give you, you know, $25,000, like mm, something's off. Oh my goodness! I have other things. This
0: <laughs> I know we have to end this conversation, and uh, unfortunately, but Lisa, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I have really enjoyed having you here, and hopefully, you'll join us again because there's a lot more that we definitely can discuss. So thank you so much. Te agradezco mucho y okay, que sigas así de bella.
1: Gracias. I would love to join you again. I, money is my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Love it. Me too. Well, me too.
0: <laughs> what did you think? There was so much goodness there that this episode is definitely one to re listen to because I'm sure you will get more out of it the second time around. Lisa is just that good and so knowledgeable. You can connect with her and learn more about her on her website at lisafabriga.com forward slash start here. I will have that link in the show notes as always. If you found this episode valuable for you, you will love our new private podcast, private being the keyword, which complements well this episode. This limited episode series is called Budgeting Truths Uncovered. A budget gives you a good understanding of your money, which allows you to expand on that money capacity. Agree? Now, I did say private podcast. It is not available to the public. In this private podcast, we explore the world of budgeting, Discover the truths of budgeting that almost nobody talks about or really understands or knows. And if budgeting has been a sore topic for you, sign up for this private podcast. Have I mentioned it is free? No cuesta nada, ni un centavo, but your time. You can sign up at jenhempill.com forward slash limited. This is the only way I'm going to stress. This is the only way you can listen and get access to this podcast because it is not available to the public. It's not available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of those places. But the neat part is that once you get access to it, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts and those places. So Again, that link is jenhempelcom forward slash limited. You can go to the show notes and also get access to the link. Or since you're listening to this from a podcast app, or if you're listening to this from a podcast app, you can look at that little description of this particular episode and you'll find the link there. Next week, we have another Latina powerhouse. She went from working in the fields with her parents as an immigrant to becoming a legal giant in the Coachella Valley. Bueno pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to the show. Be sure to check out the show notes at jenhemphill.com forward slash 291. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash 291 to refer back to the brief notes that we have there and all the links that you need. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.